What's up, everybody? This is Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Endurance and Mastery. And today, what I'm talking about is how to help you prepare and be successful in the Goggins Challenge. And this is a challenge where you will run four miles every four hours for 48 hours straight. So I just got done doing the Goggins Challenge last week, and we were successful with the challenge. And I had a ton of fun in the process and was also able to raise over $4,000 for uh, NAMI Lane County and raise a lot of awareness around mental health. And so what I want to do is I want to share a few things that I learned and a few things that can help you be successful in the challenge if you want to do it on your own sometime or if you want to do it next year. So uh, I'm going to roll a trailer and then we're going to get into it. Do you want to complete an endurance event and elevate all areas of your life, but you don't know where to start? Then you're in the right place. Talking Endurance and Mastery is a podcast to help you create a vision and take steps towards your goals and dreams. I'm your coach, Mario Minner. I've completed events like Ironmans and Ultramarathons, but I believe the true benefit from endurance events is how they help you become the best version of yourself. Join me as I share stories, lessons, and interview guests to help you apply endurance and mastery principles into every area of your life. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, welcome back. So I actually meant to say this in the intro, but what I'm going to talk about are six you know, steps or six pieces of advice that will help you be successful with the Goggins Challenge and help you be able to run four miles every four hours for 48 hours straight. But these pieces of advice are also going to apply for any other challenge that you are going to be taking on. So I think that these strategies are kind of universal to doing anything that is challenging, anything that's difficult, and anything that's really worth while. So um, we're going to have six of them, but I'm going to start with the first one, and that is pick a charity or a cause that you believe in. Okay. So number one is pick a charity or a cause that you believe in. And so the first question that I would ask somebody who says that they want to do this type of a challenge is kind of like, why? right? Um, Or what's something that you really care about? What's a cause that you care about, an organization, a, a, you know, a problem that you want to solve in the world? And I think that this is really important because this is something that's going to give you a little bit of extra motivation, a little extra boost for not only training for it, but also something that will help you get up in the morning when it's hard something that will help you push through any obstacles that pop up along the way, and just something to help you um, get through this challenge. Um, now, the the organization that I chose was NAMI Lynn County, which is the National Alliance of Mental Illness. And that was kind of easy for me because a lot of people that I love in my family have experienced mental illness, like depression, like anxiety, and we just don't talk about it. And so for me, I was literally fueled by love for the people that I love the most. And that is something that can help me 
run through any sort of obstacle. Uh, when you're fueled by love, like you can literally do anything. And so that was something that I think was actually really uh, motivating and it was really beneficial for me. So number one, I would say pick a charity or a cause that you believe in. Number two might actually be the most important thing. And that is to recruit your team and get people to sign up for shifts with you. So if you're doing four miles every four, four hours for 48 hours straight, you are going to have a lot of open slots. And um, I think that what you want to do is you want to try and include as many of the people that you love as possible. Um, and this is just because in my previous episode, I talked about how when you do hard things with people that you love, it energizes you. And this is just going to completely transform the way that you perceive this difficult challenge. It's not even going to be a difficult challenge if you're doing it with your friends and your family and the people that you love. It's going to make it an adventure. It's going to make it fun. And that's literally the biggest feeling that I had from this whole weekend last weekend when we were doing this challenge is it, it felt just like a fun adventure with friends and family. And uh, it was awesome. And I, 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 I'm just so glad that I did it that way because I was originally planning on doing it by myself. And this is the type of challenge that you really don't want to do by yourself. And I think that that's true for any type of challenge that you might be going through is don't go at it alone. Recruit friends, recruit family, tell them what you're doing, tell them why, and get them involved in the process because you're going to be motivated. They're going to be motivated. Their family is going to be motivated or their friends are going to be motivated. And it's going to create this ripple effect in your little group and in your community and in your families. So super important to recruit your team and get people to sign up for you. And uh, another thing is try and give these other people in your group and in your family enough time and enough of a heads up so that they can actually train for it appropriately. So one of the individuals who trained with me or who ran with me was my boss, Ron. And he's in his 50s, and he hadn't done a 5K for about 30 or 35 years. But when I told him I was going to be doing this challenge, he ended up training for about a month or two in order to get ready to be able to run four miles. And it's turned into this big uh, kind of motivating force for him to continue to build on the progress that he's made. And we're seeing some really positive uh, steps in his life because of it. So uh, that's number two, recruit your team and get people to sign up for shifts. Number three is what I would call plan your schedule. Okay, set and plan your schedule. Now you can do the four by four by 48 challenge whenever. You can do it literally any day of the week, but um, Goggins has been doing it uh, the past three years. I believe he's been doing it in like the first weekend in March. And he um, is on the West Coast, so he's on Pacific time, and he does it at his specific uh, Pacific time intervals. I believe that they started at 8 p.m. Pacific time, and that was 10 p.m. Central. And so for me, I wanted to be on that same uh, segment in those same loops as them to kind of join them in terms of a camaraderie, but I didn't want to start at 10 p.m. And so what I ended up doing is I started at 2 p.m., then I went 2 p.m., 6 p.m., 10 p.m., 2 a.m., 6 a.m., 10 a.m., uh, 2 p.m. And I did that because 
I wanted to, I, I basically began with the end in mind and I thought, how do I want to finish this thing out? And I wanted to finish earlier in the morning when there was daylight to where I could be joined by my wife and my daughter, uh, who is two, and then my friends and family. And so by starting at 2 p.m., I was able to finish uh, starting at 2 p.m. on Friday. I was able to finish at 10 a.m. on Sunday. And so I was able to finish with friends and family and my daughter. Um, but also I was able to have the rest of the day kind of off as a recovery period. And that was super important to me. And so that was a schedule that I was able to set. And I think it's important for you to think about your schedule as well. Um, and the, the key things that I would have you think about, are, number one, is when do you want to finish? Like, what time do you want to finish? Um, because some people have done it to where they finish at like 2 a.m. or 4 a.m. and it's pitch black and nobody's really there to see it. That's okay. If that's your thing, you can do that. But I kind of wanted to have a, a group of people finish with me. And that's why I set up my schedule that way. So I would say, pro tip, finish in the daylight, recruit as many people as possible. And you can also do it at the same time as Goggins to kind of feel that solidarity. And um, there was a time where he would go live every a few loops to kind of get people pumped up. And uh, it was kind of fun to just watch other people going through uh, the same challenge as me around uh, the United States. So that's number three. So once you have, you've picked your charity, you have recruited your team, you've planned your schedule, you now have a better idea of what you're getting yourself into. And now the next thing, number four, is practice three to four run loops on the weekend and simulate the challenge as much as possible. Now, this is a principle for pretty much any endurance challenge that you take on. The closer that you get to the race, the more you want to simulate what the race experience is going to be like. So if you're training for a course that's super hilly, obviously when you're biking, you're going to want to get some hilly uh, rides in to experience that. If you're doing an ultra marathon and it's a trail run, you're going to want to do your running mostly on trails. The same thing applies to this challenge. Since you're going to be running four miles every four hours for 48 hours straight, it doesn't mean that you need to practice that exact duration in training. But what you should do is you should practice going for a four mile run, waiting um, a few hours, and then going back out there and doing another four mile run. And so what I started to do with my training plan that I created for this um, is I just had my four mile runs throughout the week that I would do. And I would just do a regular four mile run. But then on the weekends, I started doing in the month leading up to the challenge, I did a four mile run and then uh, a few hours, uh, I waited a few hours and then I did another four mile run and I did that on one weekend. And then the next weekend I did a four mile run waited a few hours, did another four mile run, waited a few hours, and I did another four mile run. And so I ended up doing a simulation of what it was going to feel like where I did a four mile run uh, three or four times on the weekends prior to running the challenge. And this was really helpful because probably the most helpful thing in training, because it helped me understand 
how much time I was going to have in between the runs. And it helped me understand what my legs were going to start to feel like by the end of the challenge. And so, uh, again, I would really recommend that you get a few practice runs of four miles in and then start to, once you're feeling good, start to add in uh, a, a couple of loops. I would recommend two or three, possibly even four um, loops in there to simulate that experience as much as possible. So that's number four. It's kind of more training specific. Now, number five is have a chart to visualize your progress. Have a chart to visualize your progress. Now, when I did Everesting 29029, they had this awesome ascent board. And uh, Everesting 29029 is when you hike up a mountain, you take the gondola down, you do that 17 times until you reach the equivalent of Mount Everest, which is 29,029 feet. But each time you would do a summit and come down, they would have you brand the ascent board. And you could see um, you could see your progress as you kept building up to the 17 uh, summits. Now, I saw that and I thought that that was a really cool idea. So I did something similar with this 4x4x48 Goggins Challenge. And my wife, Emily, deserves all the credit in the world because she designed it. She found an example and she printed it out online. And so... Uh, I was able to have this poster that showed all 12 of my laps, the mileage for each, and just a little check mark that we could put um, each time we finished one of those four mile loops. And uh, anybody that ran with me was able to check off that, um, that segment. And it just felt really good throughout the day and the weekend to see those checks um, working their way through the poster and seeing that progress as I was getting closer and closer and closer to our goal. And so that is a huge thing. doesn't matter if you're doing a big challenge like this or if you're doing something small. You want to find a way to visualize your progress, and we did that through having a chart. So that's number five. Have a chart to visualize progress. And then number six is what I would say is plan your nutrition, your sleep, and your showers accordingly. Okay. Plan your nutrition, your sleep, and your showers accordingly. So as you're thinking about this Goggins challenge, the the one of the main things I would want you to think about and plan ahead for is when are you going to sleep? This is a big thing that people really worried about is is the kind of sleep deprivation and how are you able to run when you're so tired. But what I did is I just knew ahead of time that I was going to be sleeping in between the 10 p.m. and the 2 a.m. run and then the 2 a.m. and the 6 a.m. run. And during those, in between those periods, I would come back from my run, I was trying to cool down, and then I would just get in bed and try and fall asleep. And I was able to get at least two hours of sleep in between each of those segments. And that felt pretty good. And then in terms of sleep, I also tried to take a nap in between the 10 a.m. and the 2 p.m. run. And so every like three or four runs, I was able to get some sleep and I was able to take, you know, a 30-ish minute nap in between the 10 uh, the 10 a.m. and the 2 p.m. and then about two hours from 
10 p.m. to 2 a.m. and then the 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. And so that's I think that was a, a good schedule that worked for me. And I wanted to share that tip for anybody else who is doing that type of a challenge. Uh, another thing to think about that was actually helpful for me is when are you going to shower? Um, I did not want to shower every single time after each run, but I also didn't want to shower like not at all. And so what I ended up doing is showering every like it was about every three runs I would take a shower and it, I would just say that that's kind of, that was my plan. And then I did have a, a few more, uh, maybe one more uh, in there just based off of how I was feeling. But you want to think about what is your sleep uh, strategy going to be? And then also what is your shower strategy going to be? And then in terms of nutrition, that's the other thing that I mentioned here is uh, another thing that was really helpful that uh, Emily, my wife, did is we got a ton of food and snacks and food prepared ahead of time so that I didn't have to spend time in between the runs making meals. Everything was already prepared. I had a lot of good snacks. I had protein drinks. I had energy drinks. I had Gatorades. I had fruit. Um, I had all of that good stuff, and I didn't really have to think or plan uh, too much in between. And so one other thing that I want to mention since I made a big mistake here is I ate way too much in between my 2 p.m. and my 6 p.m. run. So if you're eating dinner before your runs, just take it a little bit easy uh, because it made one of my runs extremely uncomfortable. So uh, asleep and showering and nutrition is super important. It's going to play a role in your success in this challenge. And so I wanted to mention that. So as I kind of bring it back to you and I start to recap, these are the things that I want you to think about if you are going to be taking on the Goggins challenge. But it's also something that I think can apply to you, like I said, with any type of a challenge that you're taking on. And so let uh, as, as I'm going through these last uh, one last time, I want you to think about what is your goal? What is your challenge that you have in mind and how can you apply these? So number one, Pick a charity or a cause that you believe in because this is going to give you that added boost when you're training and when you need to get up and it's going to help you push through obstacles. That's number one. Number two, don't go at it alone. Recruit your team and get people to sign up for shifts. This is the most important thing. Include other people in the process. Number three, plan your schedule and think about when are you going to finish and work backwards from that. Uh, number four, practice those three to four four-mile loops to simulate the experience and get a feel for what it's going to be like to have that downtime in between runs. Uh, number five, have a chart to visualize your progress as you're making progress on this challenge. And number six, plan your nutrition, your sleep, and your showers accordingly. So that, my friends, is what I have for today. The, that's the six steps to success for the four by four by 48 Goggins challenge. But again, these principles apply to any challenge that you are taking on. So that, my friends, is what I have for today. If you found any sort of value in this, go ahead and leave a five-star review.